Hey, podcast family. Did you know that on May 2nd and 3rd, 2024, our 3D Growth Summit is happening in Nashville, Tennessee? But in-person tickets are already sold out with nearly 400 attendees. But you don't have to miss out. You can get exclusive access to our live stream and post-event recordings for just $395. Yes, you heard that right. For a single fee, you and your entire dental team can learn from our industry leaders with online recordings available after the event. So secure your spot now before it's too late by visiting www.3d-dentist.com slash 3D Summit or give us a call at 855-332-2285 and get your tickets for the live stream and event recording today. Now, let's get to this week's episode. All right, everybody. Welcome to this week's interview. We're sitting here with Harjeet Mungat. Am I saying that correct, Harjeet? You are saying that correct. Yes, sir. And of course, uh, the number one coattail rider in dentistry, Sully Sullivan. Hey, everybody. Thanks for uh, joining us here at the Millennial Dentist Podcast again. Always trying to retreat. Always try. So, listen, we're here at the 3D Retreat in Wake Forest, North Carolina, just north of Raleigh. And Harjeet is here for our implant continuum. And we asked him to sit down, and uh, we thought we would talk to Harjeet about uh, self-serving interests first, and then, of course, a little bit about uh, himself and what's going on. So I think the first thing we'll say is, Harjeet, how did you get here to the implant program? How did I get here? Well, <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I've been placing implants for the last maybe two years. I've been doing it free-handed, which is... Uh, not exactly correct. And so I needed to up my game a little bit. So uh, I, I have so a question. I'm going to interrupt you a little bit there. Go ahead. When sure. you say, so you've, you've been placing implants. Sure. How many, when, how many implants have you been placing? Like one a month, one a quarter, et cetera. And then when you say, what has led you to doing it freehanded and doing it to now make you want to do it differently? I learned that it was probably best to do free-handed implants first, which I realize now was probably not the correct way of going about it. However, that's how I started. So I'd say my first year, I probably placed one to two implants a month. It's not bad. Not at all. It's good. Second year, I probably placed about five implants a month. And then when I got to that point, I realized that I needed to change like immediately. Um, I needed to CT. I needed to do things better. Or I could get myself into trouble. Was it because so. you restored them and were like, well, this is going to have been a little better. <laughs> all yeah, of a sudden, you're absolutely. doing all custom abutments. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You do more than one uh, on, a, on a single uh, case or right next to each other. It's hard to do it without, without a guide, without a CT. It's, it, 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 it'll scare you a little bit. That's how it was for me, too, because I learned the same way you did. I learned freehanded. And honestly, it was the restorative side of things that really made me because I thought the whole goal was just get an implant to integrate. Right. And then and then you realize that's not that hard. Getting right. it in the right position is the hard part. Right. Yeah, that, 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 that is exactly where I ended up. And then on top of that, I was like, well, if I get this technology in my office, it can be more efficient. I can do things faster. I can do things more predictable. So I needed a place to go where I could learn that. How would you hear about I'm us? Because I'm not advertising India abroad. Well, yeah. <laughs> right. No, I just went where the other Indian was teaching this stuff. <laughs> I decided this was a good idea. This was a place for me. No, um, I had 
I have known about um, this course or this organization for about a year or two now. Um, so I've been following along, you know, seeing what courses you guys have to offer. And this one really, um, really struck me because it was exactly what I need when I needed it. Good. We're glad to be here when you're ready. Yeah. So what'd you think, uh, what made you stay at the retreat? I think that was a no brainer before you got here. Now, clearly, you know, it's a no brainer once you get here, but talk to me about before you get here. Well, I thought that if there was a chance, you know, when, when like-minded people eat together or spend time together, they end up talking about things that, um, that relate to them both professionally and personally. And you end up meeting a lot of like-minded people from all over the country that I think, uh, it's a good experience. Good. How has it been said that having said that we have talked a lot of shop, like I'm pretty sure tomorrow when I drive back, like I'm going to need an entire day just to not, (laughs) not talk anymore shop. But But, I mean, I I appreciate it, but it's a lot of shop. But that's what this is about for me. Well, let me back up. It's about, that's what I think this group wanted. Okay. Yeah. So like, like for example, the last group, the last group we talked, certainly we talked shop, don't get us wrong, but we spent more time doing fun things. As the last group, but this group has gravitated more towards talking shop. And I think a lot of that has to do with where everybody is in their, in their career and their life. Right. How's your experience been at the retreat? Awesome. Yeah. There's air conditioning. Yes, there is air conditioning. Let's talk talk about the pool's not heated, but (laughs) but it's, 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 it's good. I mean, talk a little bit about the meal plan. You know, what about the, the food here? Yeah. Talk about the chef a little bit. Sully's cooking is half decent. (laughs) Darren rolled up an omelet in an incredible way this morning. That was unbelievable. That was different. That was awesome. That's good. I have one question. So, uh, you know, implants tend to get people here, but what did you think about the extraction, socket preservation, stuff like that? Because on one hand, I think that's one of the most underappreciated coming in, but appreciated things leaving, I guess. Did you pick up any pearls from that? Yes. Yes. And I'll tell you what I think um, part of the issue is, is that implants have suddenly become the buzzword. Like, I want to place implants. I want to place implants right away. Um, And you can go somewhere and learn how to place implants. I'm not going to, I'm not criticizing any way, which way that you would learn, but. Please don't. (laughs) You want to, you want to learn in a way that um, your colleagues are doing it or, you know, as good as specialists would be doing it. Right. It's important. And I feel like that's part of the part of the issue is part of the issue is that as general dentists, we sit there and we're like, well, you know, we sit there and we restore implants and we sit there thinking to ourselves, well, you know, maybe I could have placed that better. Well, if we don't know how to place them, then we don't know the answer to that question. So now you're sitting there thinking to yourself, well, if I get the CT and I learn from some of the folks that are placing implants as well as a specialist, and I can do it myself, and and uh, whatever I can't manage, I can refer to them. Cool. All right. So I want to talk. Look, I know you're here for implants, and uh, it's a great course. We want everybody to come to it. The digital implant continuum. Contact Meredith Cooper Jones at eight five five three three two 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 eight five. Is that the number? <laughs> it's just in case. I don't know my own phone number. Way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to focus on. I want to ask you about some things you took away from our after hours conversation last night and today. Yeah, there was a lot. There was a lot to unpack. I'm still unpacking it actually. 
All right, what stuck out to you the most? I would say basically reverse engineering what you want to do in your practice and how and starting from there. I think the biggest problem is that we end up falling into practices like we talked about last night where the practice drives you, the patient population drives you to think that you should do things a certain way. Yeah. And I think I would argue that most of us got into dentistry or we dreamed in dental school that dentistry was the profession where you control and own your own business and control what you do. Oh, yeah, you go golfing, you know, two, three days a week and (laughs) and then just go into the office when you have to. And that's not really how how most offices are set up. No, it's not. Uh, Okay, so clarity was an important thing yesterday for you. Sure, sure. Yeah. What else did you what did you pick up from today's uh, after hours when we sat in the uh, what do we call in the bar area, the, the bar gathering area. place, the gallery? Yeah, the galley. The gal. It's not a galley. GG. One thing that I I kind of saw or it felt like you kind of gravitated towards was when we started talking about mindset and how it's hard to switch off the mindset of grinding. When grinding's what got you here, but somehow that how that mentality can hold you back. Talk a little bit about kind of what. Well, you I think you're about. right. Like so, so you know, from a background perspective, we were or our original flagship practice is very much a PPO driven practice, and it was based off of how many patients can we get in the door, how many procedures can we do in a single day, without a single thought of what that costs the practice. What that costs you personally. Or what that procedural mix is. Correct. And if you never look at what it is that you're doing and you just kind of jump on a moving train and go, you get stuck in that mindset. And I think that's where I am right now. How many of us listening agree with that statement? Yeah. I want my chairs to be full. I want to be busy because if I'm not busy, if I'm sitting in my office, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And the hard part is, is even when we start to train, like shift our mindset, we've trained our team for so long that that, that, that could right. be a challenge. Like right. what would happen if you added another column to your practice? Oh man, I think all hell would break loose right now. <laughs> I, when I added a third hygiene, uh, hell broke loose, which actually the fact that we added hygiene, something that, probably wasn't as productive of some of the other things that I could have been doing in a chair. I think it was kind of detrimental, even though we were like, yes, you know, hooray, we have more provider and more patients and three mm-hmm. hygiene really wasn't, wasn't worth what I, what I thought it was. Really I would like to see dentistry move to a model and Sully and I disagree with this. Okay. I would like to see dentistry move to a model where it's one dentist, one hygienist. Yeah. Or I mean, no, hy- I mean, I like, I think realistically, no hygienist, no hygienist sounds great when times are great. Right. No hygienist becomes problematic when we have economic dips. Right. And, and hygiene is a fundamental process of making your practice recession proof. Right. Agree. Yeah. And I think that's, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with you. I think to, in my opinion, the region, like, I think what we both view hygiene as is a loss leader and that the production of hygiene is not necessarily based off the production that they do yeah. with the at-bats that we get to diagnose dentistry. That's right. And so for me, I think I don't. I would love a one hygiene model, but I also think that the majority of us 
need more at bats because we still struggle with some of the things like communication and doing yeah. things that where we don't have as good a success. We, we need the more at bats to be successful to get I, to the, what we want. I think it also speaks to the patient population that you have existing versus the one that you're trying to build. What do you if mean by that? Well, if your patient population walks in or they're always used to us filing their insurance claims, talking about insurance, being about insurance, then the first thing they're going to ask you when you tell them what you need is, does my insurance yeah, pay for that? that way. Right? So they've been trained. They've been basically trained for, for that way. But who trained them? So we did. We did. Yeah. Culturally. Our profession we, did. We did. Yeah, we did that. And then... Our 70s and 80s and 90s leaders trained us that but, way. But I can see it both ways. Like, say you started up a practice and you said, I'm just going to be fee-for-service. Anybody that walks through my doors, I will file insurance, but we're going to collect what we need to Sure. Versus what Sully's saying is like, well, we have however many thousand people walking through the door. So I can offer the services I can offer to however, however many thousands of people because you guys are already accepting insurance. So those people are walking through yeah. the door. No, I believe so in those the, are the two different, I think, warring. I believe in at-bats. I'm a believer in insurance. I'm a proponent of practices taking insurance. Right. I, I'm a big proponent of that because I think it's a easier model. I think it gives you more at-bats, as you're saying. But I think what happens is is we lose sight. The busyness dictates our business. I also think, like, in our practice, I can speak to it, that insurance becomes accidentally red tape for us because yeah. we start talking about it too much. Yeah. We start saying to a patient, well, this is how much it's going to cost for an implant and a tooth. And here we are starting talking about insurance. But when the patient like didn't we, even ask. Like we talked about earlier, this Basically, you put the barrier up yourself. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with that statement. But I, I'm a big believer in taking insurance to give you at-bats. It's a way to recession-proof your practice. It gives you the opportunity to scale if that's what you choose to do. And then it gives you the opportunity to cut back if you want to be a smaller practice. Right. But not enough, not enough of us take the opportunity to cut back. So let me ask you this question. Sure. Why have you not cut back on? Because you're you have a busy practice, right? By all definitions, it's busy, right? Okay, right. But why why haven't you and let's cut give, back? Give, let's give the listeners a little bit of background perspective on, what, yeah. on the current state of your practice. Okay, kind of if you don't mind, just like sure, yeah, sure. So, um, my father opened opened our practice in 1984. Um, he retired probably 2015 2016. So our original practice is is uh, very much uh, established, I would say. Um, so we switched from two hygiene to three hygiene maybe two, three years ago. My father retired maybe two years after I joined him. So we are, you know, in our community, we are a well-established practice. And when you have a well-established practice that has accepted insurance for as long as we've accepted insurance, um, we basically have found ourselves in a situation where we are very busy, which is a super blessing. We are very bread and butter, which not that I'm trying to get away from that, but I'm trying to build something else so that we sure. can, you know, focus on other things. Um, so that, that's, that's basically who we are. That's how I ended up in this position. And typically you'd say hygiene's booked out. Hygiene is booked out six months. Everybody gets a six month appointment and we're booked out. I mean, there's not even space for any new patients with hygiene current. And then Dr. Sai, you're booked out. Four or five weeks. Four or five weeks. So if I wanted to get an implant, which you're here learning, when yep. could you see me? 
That's the problem. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, podcast family. T-Bone here to talk about the 3D Dentist Digital Implant Continuum. Are you ready to start placing dental implants but feeling a bit hesitant and or overwhelmed? I know that feeling. I've been there. Let's change that together. Imagine not just learning about dental implants in a classroom, but actually performing surgeries on real patients right here in North Carolina, guided every step of the way by our expert 3D mentors. This is dental implant learning at its best, using techniques that are safe, predictable, and confidence-boosting. They're exactly what I use in my own practice, so you know they work. Our course goes beyond clinical skills. We prepare you to successfully integrate high-demand implant services into your practice, transforming your career by attracting new patients and elevating your practice. And it doesn't end with the course. Completing our program is just the beginning of a new journey. You'll be a part of a community of confident, skilled dentists with ongoing support to ensure lasting success and growth. After all, this is about mastering a skill that can transform your career just like it did for me. So, are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Visit www.3d-dentist.com, check out our upcoming sessions, and join us to revolutionize your practice. 3D Dentist is truly committed to helping dentists take control of their practice, finances, and future. Now let's get back to this week's episode. Yeah. That would be four or five weeks from now. Yeah. And did that, did, did that, you're, you've been aware of that, or do you right. think that, like, what, is that normal, does that just seem like smart or normal or? Obviously, we've, we've drawn a lot of attention to it this weekend. I think, I think we've normalized it. I think that as a practice culture, we've thought that, again, having butts in chairs means that the practice is doing well. Almost to go so far to say you're proud of it. I You, you as in plural, like dentistry is proud of that. Yes, dentistry is proud of that. Yes, I think that's, that's part of the problem, yeah. is that we don't, we don't recognize the fact. But on the other side of it, like we were discussing, having an hour blocked off or an hour and a half blocked off for next week for an implant or for a patient that I don't even know if I have is scary okay, for but a let, lot of people, right? I, I want to give you devil's advocate to that. Sure. For someone that's booked out four to five weeks, how quickly could you fill a t- spot tomorrow morning for an hour and a half? Quickly. Quickly. And that's right. See, and, and so to me, the, the concept is you will be more productive, whether you do that implant or not, by just, like I believe that if for busy practices, okay, right. for practices that are booked out some time, I believe if, if you can't get to our model of block and priority scheduling, if you could just say every week we're going to have a free-for-all on Tuesday afternoon and we won't schedule anybody till Monday morning for Tuesday afternoon, you'll find a way to put the most productive, important things in that you found the week before will magically go into, like literally if you just said it's going to be a free-for-all. Yeah, yeah. Well, well unscheduled free for all. You talked about the emergencies, the amount of root canal emergencies that you. Well, that's what we were. That's yeah. That's the whole thing. Is like if if we do any same day, like say we do, say a patient comes in for a limited exam and and they need endo. If I do that endo during lunch, that's probably the most profitable thing yeah. I will do all day. And the only thing is because I work through lunch and I decided that we were going to do it that time. But and what's the cost to your team? Into your practice culture of working through lunch, <laughs> Dad, it doesn't go well, right? 
It doesn't. It doesn't typically go well. Yeah. Right? And then so. what? What happens to our patients and their their expectations when they know a work through lunch? They go up. Yeah, and they expect that, right? Right. And 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 I'm glad you brought that up because I would tell you what most people will tell us when they say I'm booked out four to five weeks, and I say, "What would you do if a patient said yes to an implant?" You'd be like, "Well, I'll just stay late." Yeah, I think I'm realizing that it's not much of a, yeah, no, I wouldn't want to do because that. Because I'll stay late. <laughs> no, I, I, I wouldn't want to do that. Like, I, I personally I have a young family. Like, I'm not staying, Pat. That's that's me personally. You'll come in early. I'd rather come in early Friday. or yeah. what, off. Whether it's late or early or during so lunch, I'm saying I you'll find non-hours. Cor- you'll extend your business hours. Right. And when does Best Buy extend their business hours for us? They don't. Okay, besides planned Black Fridays and stuff like that, but when do they, hey, we're booked out, we're selling everything, let's extend hours. Harjeet wants to come in today at 12 because he, he works until 5 and he can't come in, right? They, yeah. They don't, right? Right. right. And, and so to me, it's, it's, there's so much we need to take from other businesses and prioritize. And, and let's think about this. Uh, again, because I'm on the retail model kick, because we talked about that today, right? right? John, we talked about the retail model. Right. What do the retail models put at the front of their stores? Their product. Well, no, but more specifically, what kind of products? The most profitable products, right. correct? Right. And so they're prioritizing what they make the most on and what they want to sell more of. Right. Not, you know, and I don't want to make it saying that they're prioritizing profits. Right. But... Indirectly, they're, they're selling what they want to sell most of. So and now, so we're not prioritizing what we want to do the most of in dentistry. Right. I'm going to look so at So now, now not, to, not to go What was that, team. Sully? I'm going to look at stores totally different now. Yeah. You, you, have right. to, you guys should watch a little bit on <laughs> what, wanna, how retail is set I up. I it's a science. I to like, you know, Home Depot now and see, like, what are they putting Why is Home Depot selling $2 snicker bars at the checkout counter? It's Home freaking Depot. <laughs> so I have a question. Yes, sir. So... Where does patient retention fall into all this? Patient right? retention so, is so important. For example, you know, if you have 25 new patient blocks mm-hmm. set aside mm-hmm. and you have Mrs. Jane Doe gives you a call mm-hmm. and she's been your patient for 20 years and you say, you know, you, you don't have the room for... I don't ever say I don't have the room. Yeah, but you get, you get what I'm saying. Like, where does patient retention fall into place sure. if you're... Mrs. Jane Doe, I apologize that you've uh, fallen off the schedule. We'll be happy to work you in. Our next available opening is right. My six and I think Sully's solution is let's bring another provider on board to be able to see. Sure, and, and that is the long-term solution, absolutely. But my argument right now in that is most of us are using that solution before we've really R- fixed, fixed some of the chaos right. in our practice. And all you're doing is doubling. The chaos. I mean, all, all for, no, and no, I don't mean any offense to this, GT. If you brought in another provider into your practice, all you do is double the chaos. Yeah, yeah, likely. And I would well, argue, no, no, no. I'll argue you'll is, exponentially you make it worse. You don't double the chaos. It, 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 it gives you breathing room for a moment until it, but then it fills right back up. And, and it's worse. But, and but it's you worse. need to have the established systems in place before you onboard that person. I, I don't, well, but, yes but, and no. But yes. with the ability to onboard that person, you can then do more dentistry. But you right? don't, so, the, the big mistake. Which comes first. The big mistake That's, is. The systems should come first, right? Go ahead, Sully. The big thing that I see most people miss is that they think you can't prioritize and change your schedule until you get the new doctor, and you can. You, know, you, can, you can do exactly the dentistry that you would do with another provider now if you just prioritized it. And piggybacking off the 
you know, the lady that you were talking about, the, that patient that's been there forever is, I've told dad this, is, is that to me it's hard because I think we give more loyalty to our patients than our patients give to us. Absolutely. A lot of times. That's definitely an issue. Because that patient that's calling you fell off your schedule at some point, correct? Right. They prioritize something else in their life. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Right. But they prioritize something else. And now because it becomes important to them, you have to drop and adjust your business model right. for them. Right. But that doesn't mean that patients in recare don't have issues either. Right. right. So let's come back to the crut- what you okay, asked. Okay. Sure, Is sure. You, you're adding 25 new patients a month sure. right, when right now you don't have space for them. In sure. essence, what are you going to do with the recall patients? Here's what I'm going to argue. Okay. Dentistry, so many people in dentistry have put so much emphasis on working the recall system. Just stop working it. Stop begging Let people to come in. when they want to come back. Stop begging people to come in. Right. Work on, work on what, pri- what you want to prioritize. Now, right. if you're a practice that doesn't want new patients. Dude, that's good. And you want to prioritize. Right. You're going to steal that too, Sully? That's a good one. I'm totally <laughs> And you're going to prioritize Why recall, then the focus on recall. So I mean, but I think, but how, many, how many of us have went to seminars, and really, it's all about how do we get recall people back in our office? Which, by the way, they don't have dentistry to do. It's just nuclear. Yeah, it's, it's it's really they didn't prioritize you. So, so, yeah, but I'm not, saying it's, I'm not saying it's not important. But I'll let, let me ask you this. Okay, ben, ben, ben is sitting in the audience here. Let me ask you this, Ben. Would you prefer to prioritize people that are asking to come to your office or you calling people and begging them to come back? But but my point being in that is that's not what anybody has taught us. What they've taught us is beg people to come back. Right. And I'm not, I'm and and look, if you're in a scarcity model or if you're hurting for patients, beg them to come back. I would be the first one. Dude, I'd be out there flipping signs, begging people to come in. If that's what it took to, to provide for my family, in a heartbeat, I would. Okay? I would. So I think we were talking about this, um, other um, participants that are here, about September and October this year and COVID mm-hmm. and how there were a lot of openings in the schedule because of the way that the cycle, the recall mm-hmm. cycle got shifted. Our office personally did some of the best. Um, we had like some of the best months. Yeah, And, and the reason I think is because we were bringing in new patients and those patients needed active treatment. And we got it done. And those patients were seeking you out but if versus you, told you me, seeking them out. If you would have told me in July that, like, I was looking at the schedule, basically. You're talking about last year. Yeah. Yeah. I was terrified looking yeah. at the schedule thinking that we have, like, we're going to have three hygiene sitting yeah. on these so, days in September. You're going to see 20% less patients and, and have do 20%, 20% more, more production. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but so, so here's, here's my question to everybody, and it's a rhetorical question. If we saw that happen, why would we not want more of that? What in our mind made us want to say, well, that was horrible. I saw 20% less patients and I did 20% more. Let me just go back to the old way of doing things. We just jump back up on the hamster wheel. Because, yeah, yeah I get it. I, I get it. I'm, I'm asking rhetorical questions. But, you know, I just, I, just, I, don't, un- I don't understand who made these rules in dentistry that we should beg people to come back at the expense of people that are begging us to come there. I mean, how, how many of us have heard it put that way? And it's illogical, correct? Okay, and then you ask me the question, well, where do I make space for these new patients? Stop begging people to come in and it'll, the space will be there. Right, right. And, and those, by the way, and look, recall is important. Don't get me wrong. The back door is important, okay? But 
It's not everything. It's it's too much effort. They they end up canceling more often, you know, on these patients any uh, you know on these appointments anyway, and and it there's an opportunity cost, and I think there's not enough time spent on thinking of, you know, the the old saying when you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. So when you say yes to reactivating an 18 month old recall patient, you're saying no to a new patient. Right, well, and, that, it, and it may be a situation where you have a recall patient that you've been banging your head off of the wall. Mm-hmm. Please replace number 19. Please replace number 19. Right. And they never do it. Yeah. And Miss Jane Doe is, wants to come to your office, and guess what she wants to do? She wants to She actually wants to replace number 19? Right. Well, or, and, and they're, they're, their new patients typically are more receptive to our continued growth, right? So that when I start taking photos on these patients, and they're like, why are you taking photos on me? You know, the new patients have no, they know no different. They're a clean, fresh You're slate. You're establishing the rapport. Exactly. Right You're establishing that this is the way we do things versus I will tell you that the hardest patients in our practice are the patients that have been here for 30 or 40 years. You know, they're the ones that struggle to accept treatment, that want to just patch things and be reactive, et cetera. And it's the new patients who are thankful to be there, who leave the most glowing Not reviews, to put all the patients know. in a box, but I think that is true. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. I think that's... That partially does happen. Again, I'm going to come back to who made the rules in dentistry. And I want to come back to a fundamental point on that. The common rules in dentistry that most of us follow follow today were made in a time when general dentistry was crown and bridge. Okay, it was restorative dentistry. Great point. And today, general dentistry is so much more. I'll argue... The least amount of what we do is, well, for many of us, it's crown and bridge. You know, Rick Sullivan, in the 1980s, 1990s, you were a dentist, correct? Yes, sir. All right. Did, did the prototypical dental dentist do yes. at Molarendo? I, uh, yes, no. I mean, I asked you a simple question, Rick. <laughs> I, I, I did the typical general <laughs> dentist do Molarendo? And he goes, I did. Well, <laughs> let's go. But they didn't like, They didn't do sleep. They didn't do ortho. Yeah, they didn't, they do, didn't do Did the, didn't the do typical pain. general dentist do implants? No. Did the typical general dentist do any type of orthodontics? No. Did clear liners exist? No. Did intraoral cameras exist in the 80s? Uh, early 90s. Early 90s, okay. <laughs> right. Did electric handpieces exist? What was the most expensive thing you could buy for your practice in the 80s? $4,000, right? $3,000. What is the least expensive thing you can buy for your... You just built an office. What is the least expensive line item you bought? Oh, my gosh. I have no idea. A handpiece. A handpiece is probably $1,500. The bib clip. Yeah, the bib clip. The, the handpiece is probably $1,500, correct? Yeah. But I'm saying the head. The head on the handpiece no, is $1,000. To be successful, you had... To, like, the model change... Like, there was no prioritized The model changed. changed. But, yeah, but it's not changed. even priority schedule. What I'm saying is... is is the most expensive thing was $3,000. Now you can barely get anything for $3,000. And it's not inflation. It's how much technologically and fundamentally our business, has, our, our profession has changed. But yet we're still following concepts from the 70s and 80s and 90s. Yeah, but the other thing and, we, and we think if we throw technology onto it, like if we throw automated recall or automated patient confirmations, like that fixes a fundamentally flawed business model. And that's why DSOs are crushing us is because they come in with a consumer-focused mindset of meeting people where they're at, 
prioritizing what they put on the walls, where they put it, what procedures they do, who does it, how they get paid, and that's why they're crushing it. But that, but that's part of our problem, right? So we were not trained in the corporate world. We're not business people, most of us. So that's the problem is systematizing our business in a way that the corporations run that we can compete. So, But or, when you say corporations, most dentists say what? Evil. Oh, yeah. The worst thing ever. But there, there are things we can take, yeah, take from absolutely. them. So I, building it is what, what's hard. I, I don't want us to belabor this too long. Right? I, I want to love belaboring. I know. So much. That's why I'm moving us along here. So, okay. So my question then, GT, is, okay, now, now that you have... Un, you've seen what you've seen. You've heard what you've heard. You can't un, you can't unhear. No, I can't. This unhear. stuff. So what? What's next? Like, what do you? How do you feel like you take this back Monday? And when your team's going to well, look at you, you like you back, saw a ghost? What do you not take yeah. back? You know, what can you not unhear? Or, you know, those are the questions. How do, how does it affect you? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hello, podcast family. T-Bone here, bringing you our newest live patient implant training, Full Arch Express. For dentists already placing implants and ready to level up and continue building their implant practice, this is the golden ticket. We're diving deep into Full Arch Implants, the hottest game changer in implant dentistry. In this program, we tackle both overdentures and all annex fixed hybrids, mastering techniques that are essential for modern, comprehensive dental care. It's about getting your hands on the tools and techniques that will replace the doubt and fear with confidence and predictability. Here's the kicker. There's live patient training right here in North Carolina. You're not just learning theories. You're in the operatory doing real work on real patient from start to finish, guided one-on-one by our expert 3D mentors. You'll learn the nuances of each approach, ensuring you can cater to a wide range of patients to maximize revenue. Speaking of revenue, with me, you know it's not just about the clinical skills. We're bringing business into this aspect too, teaching you how to integrate these advanced services profitably into your practice. So are you ready to rise up to the top in implant dentistry? Join us at the Full Arch Express. This isn't just another course, it's a career-defining leap. Head to www.3d-dentist.com to enroll in our next session. 3D Dentist is truly committed to helping dentists take control of their practice, finances, and future. Now, back to this week's episode. I think I would say that I never, I thought that it was the other way around. I thought that your patient population essentially dictates what your skill set is, which in some ways it has for me up until this point. So, in our patient population, patients need dentures, we make them dentures. Patient need implants, we do that. So we've kind of tried and decided that we were going to be a one-stop shop for everything and that's what we're going to do. And now I think I realize, and that's why I'm not like, I'm not going to go back and change everything, but I think I realize I know what I need to do slowly in order to be able to get to the end. Yeah, it, it's not, it's, the not, thing is, it's not cold turkey. Yeah, if I'm like thinking about it now, I'm thinking to myself, well, no, you know, not to sound like a a jerk, but I should be doing the dentistry that I want to do because I should think and assume that there is enough of it. Well, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say right? that a different. Understand what I'm, I, I'm gonna say that a little bit differently for you, if you don't mind. You should be doing the dentistry you want to do because you're the senior owner. You own the building and the business, and you should be dictating the terms of your business. Right. And what I will what I will also 
reemphasizes, I've never said you should turn away dentures or turn away fillings or any of those things. I just said somebody else should be doing them for you. Right. Not you, per, I'm saying you plural as, as a profession. Right. I firmly believe that you should, within five years, or whatever five that years is of graduation, that you don't like doing or five don't years like of graduation, doing, right? you, you should graduate from whatever doesn't make you happy. That's a good way of putting it. Whatever right. doesn't make you happy. Whatever right. doesn't make you happy. Dentures stop making me happy. Stop doing them. Right. Fillings don't make me, fillings hold me back and don't make me happy. Right. You don't stop like blood. Them. Don't do things with blood. And I, and right. And I think that's something that surprised me last night when you guys were talking about it. Like we don't, you know, like you guys are at a point where it's now like, not that you guys don't present options. But you're we, like, this we is ethically what, present the essentially options. Essentially what you're saying is like, this is what I do. This is what works in my hands. And this is what I'm going to do. For so me. for example, if and I went to Lowe's, leave it at that. if I went to Lowe's and said, I went sure. And I'm making this up because I don't know if this is correct. Rick Sullivan can correct me. If I went to Lowe's and asked for Sherwin-Williams paint, and Lowe's doesn't sell Sherwin-Williams paint, the typical dentist was running Lowe's and be like, let me go find Sherwin-Williams paint for you. Right. Right? That's true. And I I would just be like, well, unfortunately, I can't tell you Sherwin-Williams, but we got Glidden. You know, I can tell tell you that. That's true. I mean, it's it's pretty interesting. What do you think your team's going to say, or how do you... Well, that's Start the challenge to when you get back. This to your team when you get back. I don't think it's going to surprise them totally because we've been we've been kind of pushing towards. Um, I've been pushing towards us doing me doing more, you know, implants things like that. But the thing is that where we got to before I got here is, you want to do all these things. When are you going to have time to do it? And that's basically when I left. That's pretty much where we were at. And I think we would probably stay stuck there until we start making some adjustments. And the challenge because is I, when do we start making yeah, those adjustments? Yeah, like tomorrow. We, it's easy to say, okay, six weeks. When I get through this six-week period of being busy, yeah. then I'll make the adjustment. Yeah. And then three weeks later, like, okay, six more weeks. Well, yeah, like I'm excited about the stuff why I you, can do. Why are you laughing? Like because tomorrow. You know, you know right? Right. Yeah. Tomorrow, tomorrow, he's going to, uh, Sully's going to show us digital printing and things like that. And when we were talking about that before, like planning your, your own cases, printing your own guides, like I'm ready to take the sprint rays right out of the clinic and put them in my car. Hey, I'm going to call the police on you. Run, right. <laughs> I'll take all your sprint Meredith, rays. Meredith, you yeah. make a note of that. If we're missing anything, but, uh, it's him. It's the brown if guy. I, if I, if I take them back right now, like he, Sully's right. He's like, you don't have time for any of that. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I'm too busy doing. Class I would like two, to say that's one thing. I'm quadrant dentistry, yeah. when I could be doing other things that I that I enjoy. So I think I think I have to figure out how to chip away at that. Whether that's have someone else do that for our practice, or you know, cut back on on the number of patients I'm seeing as a whole. I, d- I don't. That all I have to unlock. So. What do you think? What do you? It, it's obviously putting you on the spot on some level, sure. but what would you say? is going to be step one in that, like a tangible thing you're going to try to do next week that starts to move the needle. Well, I didn't think I was going to be placing as many. Like your action plan, I guess. Well, I'll tell you, I didn't think I was going to be placing as many implants as I I thought I was going to be placing in year two. So I would say the first thing I want to do is basically figure out how can I place, say if I really want to place implants or say I want to do crown and bridge, you know, big cases. I have to figure out how I'm going to find the time for it. That would probably be step one. Ben, Whether how does he find the time for those big cases? Cancel some patients. Right. Cancel some Postpone patients. some patients. Right. How bad do you want it? Yeah. Right. How important is it to you? Right. So I would say that that would be my step one. Because if I don't have the time to do any of that, 
I'm not going to be able to do it, really. Yeah. Well, I think um, a other symptom we have in dentistry is we believe that the solution to being busy, the solution to being less productive than we would like, is to add more clinical skills, add more services to our repertoire. And that's not incorrect. But I think fundamentally what most practices are missing or not focusing enough attention on is the patient journey and buying process. We're not spending enough time on better diagnosis, better communication, firm financial arrangements, and priority scheduling. Because what, what has made me successful in adding these fancy procedures that I'm doing, hybrids, implants, ortho, sleep, all of those things, is that when I didn't have a skill set to make ends meet or to get to a certain level, when, when all I had was a screw, I learned how to use that screw really well. And because I, by, by design or by whatever happenstance, I focused on communication because all I, all I could sell was fillings and crowns. So I focused on communication to patients so I could sell more fillings and crowns on less patients. When I graduated in 2014, I got out and, and a lot of the mentors that I have in the area, they're like, you know, the type of dentistry we were doing is like, here's a hole, fix it. You know, I'm in pain, fix me. And I think over the last few years, as I've gotten more CE, as I've gotten more comfortable clinically, I feel like maybe that, I never thought when I started this that I would be the be the dentist that's handing someone a comprehensive treatment plan. Mm-hmm. This is what we need to mm-hmm. do, and that's it. But I'm already getting to that point where I think that's how probably I need to need to do it. But I would have never guessed I was there before. Like, oh, I'll just do this. You know, you have a broken filling. I'll I'll fix this. GT. Forget about data collection. Forget about anything else. We didn't do any of that. It was there's a problem. I'll throw a bandaid on. We became mechanics. GT, I think what's amazing is that you're here for an implant program and you're learning plenty about implants. Would you agree? Yeah. But what we've talked about, and I think probably one of the most insightful things you've taken away is about what your practice could become if that's what you want. And I think that to me is what I've tried to build and surround myself with people who are living and breathing it every day that there's a different way to do dentistry. It's not a right way or a wrong way. It's your way. And dentistry should be, dentistry is a career, unlike anything else maybe in, in, that's available, that is all about you. It should be all about you. And my goal is to help people take advantage of that, to make it all about what they want. We should take back control of our practices and be in control of whatever it is we want to do. Uh, I've met people that don't want to make more money. They just want to have 10 weeks of vacation a year. In fact, I've met people that would say, you know what? I'll make less money if I could have 10 weeks of vacation per year. And dentistry can afford you that. Uh, so I think to me, that's that's what 3D Dentist is about. That's what this retreat is about. That's what having all of us sitting in this family room together and talking shop is about. Yes, we're here for implants this weekend. But there's more enlightening thing, enlightening things that are going on. And I just appreciate that you're just so thankful to surround yourself with people like that, like you said. Well, Glad everybody like but you. <laughs> Harjeet, what? That's not nice. Harjeet, thank you so much for getting no on the thing. It's been a pleasure.
Meredith, are you going to press record? Work smarter, not harder. We'll see you next time. Stop stealing my shit, dude. (laughs) Hey, podcast family. T-Bone here. Are you a dentist looking to elevate your practice and profits? Then pay close attention. Introducing the 3D Business Mastermind, the dental business coaching program designed for dentists who want to see real results. I've walked the path of practice ownership for nearly 25 years. I know your challenges. I felt your pain. This is your opportunity to overcome the chaos, the busyness, and the financial frustrations of owning a dental practice. Imagine a dental practice where your appointment book is highly productive, doing the dentistry you enjoy, your team is self-motivated, and your profits keep climbing. That's what the 3D Business Mastermind is all about. In this exclusive mastermind, you'll join a league of ambitious dentists driven to elevate their practices. You'll gain access to proven strategies, personalized coaching, and a community that understands your journey. So if you're ready to supercharge your dental practice and enjoy the success you deserve, visit www.3d-dentists.com and take the first step towards a brighter future in dentistry by filling out the 3D Business Mastermind application. Now, let's get to this week's episode.